Listening to the Creative Pep Talk podcast. This show exists to help creative people thrive. I'm your host, Andy J. Pizza. You can stay up to date with Creative Pep Talk and my creative work by following me on Instagram at Andy J. Pizza. Let's jump into today's very special episode. This episode is supported by In The Making, an original podcast brought to you by Adobe Express, the all-in-one content creation app included in your Creative Cloud membership. If you are trying to boost the YouTube, TikTok, Reels content side of what you're doing, one episode of In The Making that I think will be super useful to you is their episode with John Yushai. I think John's method for including his audience in the process is really inspiring. And if you want to hear about that and more about leveling up your game in the creator economy, just search In The Making in your podcast player to listen. Many thanks to In The Making and Adobe Express for their support. really needed to rehaul my website. I was talking to some web people, looking around, and I got intrigued by Squarespace's new Fluid Engine, partially because it just sounds cool, but also because it allows you to drag and resize and layer up anything you can imagine. I dove in, rebuilt my site. It's the most me site that I've ever had. I just absolutely love it. Launched it, got such a great response. Some industry illustration and designy peers even reached out and was like, hey, who coded this thing, man? I'm like, y'all, I did it by myself. No coding with Squarespace's new Fluid Engine. I told him like, you should go check it out. You're gonna be surprised with what you can do. And I built this thing before Squarespace reached out to sponsor the show. So I was like, boom, easy peasy. I was gonna tell you about this new site. Anyway, go check it out, anyjpizza.com if you wanna see what I did with it. If you want to try it yourself, make a site that's totally you where you can build a portfolio, sell content and courses and all kinds of other stuff, head to squarespace.com for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain with promo code PEPTALK, all one word, all uppercase. Oh my gosh, this episode, um, I'm, I'm so excited to share this episode. I've wanted to share it with you for a few weeks. After, uh, I've, I've, it's been a few weeks since I recorded it. It is with my man, Andy Minio, who is a musician, a rapper. And, uh, you know, I hadn't heard of Andy I think the way that we connected was through my buddy Alex Medina, who I met last year at Creative Works, and we've kind of followed each other online. Alex is a producer for uh, Andy and also uh, their friend Lecrae, uh, who you may have heard of, who's another rapper. Uh, Alex makes some sweet beats, and he also makes some sweet graphics, uh, and I'm a big fan of uh, both of his talents. And anyway, I, I think we must have connected somehow through Alex. And I knew that 
I heard that Andy was a big fan of creative pep talk. I started digging into Andy's work and his creative ethics and his passion and became uh, a massive fan of what he's doing. And so when he was coming through town, I, uh, I, I sent him a message and said, Hey, let's connect and maybe we'll, we'll, uh, record an interview. And we did. And it was a fantastic conversation that I'm sure going to keep going, uh, for several years to come. And I know you're going to love this. This guy's super talented, passionate guy who is just a student of his craft. And uh, I, I know he's just uh, he's on a journey to spiral into the cosmic dimensions of creativity and beyond. Uh, and you are going to love all this talk and shop and all these uh, great ideas about what it takes to get your best work out. Um, even through this, the hard times and the struggles and the self-doubt. Um, he gets really vulnerable. We talk about all kinds of good stuff. This guy is a good dude, an amazing creative, and I know you're going to love this. Here he is, Andy Minio. So the first thing I wanted to say was, I don't know if you know this, but I'm from Indiana. So okay. you're going to be like a legend in my neck of the woods, right? <laughs> well, that. we just did a show there and it was incredible. Really? Yes. Uh, how long is your, so your your song has been, is like now the Pacers anthem yes. for 2017, 2018. Season, yeah. Yeah. So I just got the music video back today, the edit, I should show you. But it's me and all the players, and they're gonna play it on the jumbotron, and we're like dancing around. It's fun. That is amazing. So I, uh, I am not a sports fan at all, but I have been to like hundreds of Pacers games, yes. and uh, I can't pay attention to it. But uh, <laughs> I tried, man. When I was a kid, I was so uh, my all of my family is crazy basketball people, and I would go into the game. You know, like I could go on to a billion analogies, but like I'm like I'm gonna like sports and I'm gonna watch it and I get there and I'm like watching the game for like three seconds like pass to that guy pass to that guy and like cotton candy guy is hilarious over here and I'm like yeah. no you're not watching the game <laughs> so doodling drawing stuff yeah but my yeah my dad will be proud I'll have like one thing yeah like I, I keep wanting to work with Nike just so I can have my dad be yeah. like some kind of connection to what I yeah. what I do but that's amazing dude that was that Seems like super massive. Man, it was super fun. And you show up and like, you know, just cheerleaders everywhere. And they're just like, here's your jersey. And you're oh like, oh, God. thanks. You know? <laughs> and, uh, you know, they're in the video and they're they're hanging. And, you know, just meeting all the players. Yeah. And uh, Lance Stevenson out yeah. there. And, you know, you're tempted to kind of make a blow in the ear joke. And you're just like, is he going to hurt me if I do? Yeah, Don't do it. That's hilarious. So. Are you yeah. an NBA fan? Well, you know, I, I mean, I uh, I love basketball. It's probably my favorite thing to do in my free yeah. time. Like if someone says, yeah. what's your hobby? I like to play. Oh, my favorite. But I don't watch. Can't We're trying to find courts on every, you know, tour stop that oh, we have right. to shoot around and play. So I love to play. It's just keeping up with sports. Yeah. Man, my career and my time is so divided it is like that a to suck. watch a game yeah. is like such a thing unless I'm there with somebody or – the players invited me or, yeah. you know, it's like 
Thanksgiving is like the one time a year I'm like, I'm going to watch a Green Bay game, you know, and I like feel the, the, yeah. the freedom to do it. It's a holiday, but, uh, or the finals, you know, but. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, uh, you know, listening to You Can't Stop Me, I was struck by an affinity for uh, what you were talking about in the second verse. You're talking about dealing with insecurities about creativity. You're kind of yeah. talking to yourself working through the yeah. voices in your head, the things that are stopping you from doing your work, doing your best work. Yeah. And uh, I wondered if you could just like set that up, like what's going on in that verse a little bit, and then yeah. talk us through how you work through that creative self-sabotage. Yeah. Be good to go over the lyrics maybe and just like yeah. work through it. So it's, uh, uh, you're my biggest opponent. You know me, I know you, we know it. Whenever I fail, you've always been there to simply remind me I've blown it. You don't see when I'm growing. You don't see where I'm going. You only see in the moment. You know my mistakes. You never let go of it. Uh, you know, that whole, like, your failures are always being maximized in front of you. And uh, your successes are kind of like... I think Drake actually said it in a song. He said, they, they scream out my failures and whisper my accomplishments. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. And it's like, I, I think that that's what I feel often is... As a perfectionist, as someone who loves to to push myself to do better and to do more, uh, who's never really satisfied, you know that's the that's that fine line, you know that you you battle with is me always feel like I could have done better, I could have done more, and having to settle for like you know releasing and being enjoying the process and not you know letting my joy of the product that i made be hinged upon the way it's received yeah. but in just the act of creating and uh because if you don't do that you're not going to get the good stuff man it's true yeah. it's so true and so often I, I worry about the uh the outcome mm-hmm. and it really messes with the process yeah and so you know i i seem to highlight my failures my weaknesses i know my weaknesses probably better than anybody else and uh, it's weird, you know, someone said this before, you know, one negative comment, you know, is more impactful than seven positive comments in a comment section. Yeah, like, man. I'm going through my, you know, thing, I post something, this is amazing, amazing, great, I love it, oh my gosh, fire emoji, blah, 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 you suck. And I'm like, what? <laughs> Who are you? You know, I yeah. like, want to respond to them. So it just seems like failures or shortcomings seem to be highlighted a lot more for myself as my own mm-hmm. insecurity and uh yeah as i as i continue to work through that verse i even say some of the things like like you'll never write a verse like kendrick mm-hmm. never be the rap or rock out from hendrix top 10 alive you will never be mentioned why I aim so high I won't survive the trenches like those are the feelings that i have like i had a friend ask me one time you know who's your top 10 rappers like to ever live and I was like, I don't want to give you that list. Yeah. And I was dead serious because I was like, I really feel like I'm in the running to be one of the top 10 rappers to ever live. And that's, you know, mm-hmm. that's where I, when my bachelor party was happening. I was 26 at the time. Yeah. And, um, you know, I was like, I don't even like that thought of just like other, you know, mm-hmm. I feel like I am a part of the culture and I'm striving for greatness. And, um, you know, but those doubts, like, man, that's such a high and lofty goal. Why even aim for that, mm-hmm. you know? You'll never, you'll never be as great as these guys and those guys. And comparison um, is one of the things that, you know, I, I talk about on there. Comparison has, has stolen so much of my joy. 
mm. and creativity, man. And like, that, you're not alone in that, that's for sure. I wrestle with that so often, even this morning, man. Just like whenever I see guys sometimes who started after me, yeah, you know, yeah. but then blew up then, way yeah. in front, and you're like, what? Yeah. How did that happen? You know, I was like, man, I'm just not good enough. Maybe my stuff isn't isn't powerful enough, or and you start trying to figure it out, like all the comparison, and it's a super whack game, man. Mm-hmm. Like it just can really discourage you and and eat at your heart, and you know, those are things I deal with as a creative, like regularly, um, but I didn't before, yeah. which is interesting. Um, I never really dealt with that stuff. I didn't really focus on anybody when I first started. I was just like, I'm doing me. I don't care what no one else is doing. I'm I'm taking all the risks I want. I'm being exactly myself. And over time and with age, you start to, I don't know, I start to lose some confidence in myself, mm. you know, start wrestling with insecurities in a, in a new way, anxiety. And I think something, I'm just diving into the deep end. Oh, man, this is exactly what I'm uh, here about. Man, some of the... Uh, the stuff that I dive into is I think there was something really special about the season of my life where music wasn't necessarily my full-time gig. Yeah. Like there was it wasn't, still... Everything wasn't hinging on that. Yeah. Yeah. Like I was in college. Or I was fresh out of college and like I had all this energy. You know, I'm in New York City. Um... I'm living in a house with like five guys, so there's always energy. Because I was single at the time, and I was like, yo, I'm going to save up my money. I'm going to live with five guys. I'm going to have the studio in there. And you have the energy and all that stuff going on. And, uh, and, you know, like shows were coming in, and everything was new and fresh and exciting. And it wasn't just like the everyday job yet. It was just kind of like, whoa. It's kind of like falling in love, you know? It's yes, like yeah, that absolutely. first, like, oh my gosh, this is incredible. And then you're in it for five or six years, 10 years, and you are you still love it, but it's changed. It's a little different. It doesn't um, always feel like butterflies at every phone call, you know yeah. what I'm saying? It's more complex. <laughs> it's more nuanced. It's more, uh, yeah. And so um, that's what it was for me. And I, and I think I was just focused on creating and... and having fun and expressing myself and experimenting because there wasn't a very big sense of risk involved. It was like, if nobody cares, nothing changes, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, right, yeah, but, same old status quo, what's yeah. happening, yeah. And, but if now when people do care. So it's just exciting. It's just exciting. Yeah. Now, uh, now when people do care and they expect greatness, you know, so for out the gate, I sold like 30,000 records first week on yeah. my debut album. People right. were like, what, who are you? Yeah, Next cool. record, we dropped Neverland, and I do digital only. So we didn't even have physical stores because we were just rushing to get it out. And it did almost the same exact numbers in just digital sales. So if it was physical and digital, Crazy. it might have been 50, yeah. you know, 60. And so it was just like, bow, bow. And the first two records come out, people love them. And then uh, it was all this pressure all of a sudden, like, now you have to live up to it, you know? And that's when the anxiety and the stress and all that stuff started to settle in. You also start building stuff as a business owner, you know? You're like, all right, I'm getting an apartment, I'm getting this overhead, I'm paying for all these people. And now the thought of, wait, now that I have something, I could lose it. And if I lose it, 
then all these people I employ are now, you know. So all those stresses start to start to pile up for me. And, uh, you know, I think I was, like, in the middle of that, you know, as I was writing that record or even forecasting some of it, you know, the pressures. Of like you're seeing it coming. Yeah, seeing it coming, and, and I was writing about it, and you can't stop me. Um, then I end the verse with, you know, my biggest enemy is me, and even I can't stop me. Mm-hmm. That, like, self-assurance that, like, I am my biggest creative enemy, yep. and like I'm, I'm gonna succeed. You know. That makes sense, and I, uh, the way I always think about it is, I always say that like MJ couldn't, wouldn't be able to get. See, I don't, wa- I never watch sports, but all yep. my references are sports because yeah. that was my whole childhood. But uh-huh. uh, I always said that like. I heard there's this thing called the zone. Yeah. And I always think like MJ would be unable to get in the zone if he had to ref the game at the same time. So if his head is, you know, editing himself yeah. while he's creating, like you're not gonna get into the flow, into the zone. If every every paintbrush stroke that you do, you're like, wait, that was that good? Uh, is that gonna be as good as the last one? Like yeah, you're not that's good. in it. You know what I mean? And uh, I, you know, I think, um, I actually like, I feel like I started there because I had a kid right away and I have no plan B just because I don't, I can't do anything else. Yeah, All yeah, I know yeah. how to do is creativity. So I feel like I started in that anxiety and slowly by like making way, making my way started to gain confidence. Yeah. Um, but I totally relate to that. So it, you talk a little bit about it in that verse, but when you're feeling those things, how do have you found any tips and tricks that help you help snap you out of it? Uh, I wish I had the answers to that. No. Yeah, yeah. I did make probably one of my favorite songs to date out of that anxiety. What? Um, yeah. So I was having that like. 2016 I, I started too, 2016 way. I started dealing with anxiety depression like cuz I think a couple things happened is one I started to wrap my identity mm-hmm. as a human mm-hmm. inside of my creativity and when you put your identity in what you do everything's at stake everything is at stake cuz if people don't like my song and my song's a failure I'm a failure yeah and so you know but it also, like when it's working, it works really good. Yeah. You know what I'm I saying? Because you yeah. feel great. My songs, how people like my song, they like me, I feel good. Yeah, man. Uh, and then they don't like your song, they don't come to your concert, they don't whatever. You can be crushed as a human. It's weird because in the music industry, it's like your value, literally, this is what they say, you have a value of this. This is how much you're worth a show. <laughs> this, is, this is your ticket value. Mm. And someone else is worth more. And it's like... <gasps> But if you think on a, on a human level, an intrinsic level, you know, I believe that we are all made equal in the image of God yeah. and that he gives us value just by existing. Just by existing. Yeah. And you, like, I don't rest in that often. Yeah. I often put my identity in what I do. And so it works really well when you're winning and it destroys <laughs> yeah. you when you're failing. Because you're all in. Right, because you're, you're all in. When it's working, it's working. And it also pushes you to mm-hmm. greatness. Like, I think about the Michael Jordan scenario mm-hmm. and I'm like, yo... I've heard that his family life suffered because of his will to be great, mm. you know? Yeah. Like, 
like I have to be great because I'm on the line that pushes people to do maniac things like I'm gonna stay up all night and never sleep and go to sleep blah, blah, blah. and we admire that nobody in culture really like disproves of that like hey man you should have a healthy marriage mm. hey man you should have uh, kids that grow up with a present dad that when you look at your kids they don't feel shame they feel happy yep. that dad was there like and rest enough so that you have willpower to make good decisions <laughs> like you know to take your wife on a date yeah you know to like yeah alone and not have an affair and yeah. yeah nobody's saying that no. you know what i mean so uh we just applause we, we applaud the the greatness of what these people who push themselves become. Mm -hmm. And uh, so that's a strange place to be, man. But I was in that really dark place, anxiety, feeling like my career was over, feeling like I was done. And it was just a bad bout of self-doubt. Yeah. And I said, you know what? I've stopped having fun now. Mm -hmm. Now I'm just creating to protect an identity. And I said, I'm gonna go to the tour bus and I'm just gonna make a song for me, and I don't care if anybody else likes it. And so I go to the, the bus, and I take out this little a USB microphone, which is all I had, which is actually what I recorded You Can't Stop Me on. Really? A little USB mic in a that green room crazy. like this. That's crazy. Ends up being my biggest song. It's about to go gold and everything, right? That and you just crazy. think about, you know, the, the, yeah, the least likely thing ends up becoming the most mm. popular. Mm -hmm. Crazy, there's, a story. Yeah. there's just a story in that. We should come back to that. We should. Yeah. So I pick up the little USB microphone. And I go, I don't know how to play the keys, so I'm just going to hum this thing in. You know. I put a distortion pedal on it. I made it sound crazy. And it's right? It sounds like this big song. And I just start screaming, I ain't done. I ain't done. I ain't done. As long as there's breath in my lungs. And I started having this like overwhelming, like screaming mm. going on. Like I'm screaming myself out like I'm not finished because I'm alive. And if I'm alive, that means I have an opportunity to change right now mm. and to keep going. And uh, I literally freestyled the whole song. Just like the lyrics came to me, it was like, Oh, well, if they don't like it, I might turn up by myself, right? Mm -hmm. Like, I don't care if anybody likes this. I'm gonna do it for me. And it was just like this freedom cry, this like chant. And tonight if you're at the show, I'm gonna premiere that, that oh, song and you get a chance awesome. to hear it. But you know, I still deal with it, but that was one way that I channeled that energy into my creativity and, and started to like not care, trying not to care, mm -hmm. trying to just be like, I am what I am, you know, like, if you don't love it, someone else will, yeah. and I'm going to enjoy this. And so I'm fighting every day to get that's back into good, the That's joy. a really good trick. Yeah. yeah. That's so, awesome. I taught, yeah, I think uh, trying to figure out how to do it for the joy of the process, not, not the reward. And trying yeah. to divorce yourself from the reward and, and get into the, into the process of it. I actually had a really similar thing where one of my most popular episodes is called Anxiety. Recording it was the most anxious I've ever been. It was not connected to the topic. I was just slated to do that episode. Yeah. And I was going through the worst anxiety I'd ever had about the exact same thing, which was like, just slowly people started listening. It's still a humble, you know, podcast and everything, but slowly people started listening. 
and people are giving me good reviews and talking about it. And I just did done it because I wanted to do it. Yeah. And I just started, I was like shaking, recording that episode, this like meta anxiety, having wow. this anxiety, talking about anxiety. And uh, yeah, that's, it's awesome that you created from that place. Yeah. Uh, and you found some like solace in, uh, yeah, the, the process of it. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, so let, I want to go back to that story in a minute, but real quick, just because it's kind of a nice segue to something else I want to talk yeah. to you about. Um, you, you approach creativity the same way that you seem to approach your life, which is through the lens of faith. Yeah. And I wondered if that weird marriage of creativity and faith, uh -huh. whether it's a blessing, yeah. in what ways it's a blessing, yeah, for sure. And for people that maybe don't have faith or don't come through their, their creativity, what ways, what do you have that maybe they're not able to have? And then also, in what ways it's a burden yeah. sometimes as a creative because yeah. I think there must be both sides of that. Um, yeah. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Yeah. Man, there's, there's so, many, so many pluses and, mm -hmm. and negatives of, of that. Like, I'll, t I'll give you some immediate positives. Yeah. You know, as a person of faith, uh, like, whenever someone else finds out, it's almost yeah. like the little secret. Yeah. It's almost like a it's so like secret sorority. As a, you as know? a faith person. Yeah. 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 Or anything, like, right. coming out as gay, coming out as, yeah. like, a part of a sorority. Like, you know, it's like, oh, he's part of Alpha Beta Phi. You know what I'm saying? It's like, all right, I'm going to give <laughs> him the job. Team? Oh, wow. Yeah. Got all these uh, pre-assumptions about what that means. Right. Yeah. But it also serves as a rallying point. So mm -hmm. when other people, people want a champion, you know mm -hmm. what I'm saying, in spaces, like, you know, for black-owned businesses, right? Mm -hmm. Like, if, you, if you're black and you feel connected to the empowerment of that, you're like, I'm rooting for them yeah. to succeed. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Or, and it, for me, an Italian-American. There's a tribe thing. Exactly. Yeah. So that is really helpful because people rally around. They say, man, I have the same faith as you. I want to see you win. Like, mm -hmm. I, I'm about faith and positivity and goodness. Like, we need more of that. And yeah. they'll, they'll rally that. The other p tough part is... Um, is people who don't share that are often off put if they sniff it out yeah. or if someone mentions it you know like yeah it can suck the air out of the room yeah say, and it's like jesus or something yeah it's nobody not, not when everybody yeah and it's so you know that's why it's always been frustrating like for people that introduce my music to new people and they they use those words like listen to this like christian <laughs> artist christian or christian rap rapper. and you're like yeah, it looks like someone coming up to me and being like, hey, man, you want to listen to, like, this Buddhist rap? And you're just kind of <laughs> yeah. like, I don't know, like, that's not my first inclination. Yeah. But if you would have just said to it's me. A, it's, it's a divisive way of introducing something. Right. Yeah. And it, But if you, if you believe that, then it's it a, rallies you. Yeah. But if you don't believe that, it immediately puts you off. So I've never tried to, well, not never. I think the latter years of my life, I've just said, you know what? I'm not going to lead off with that. I'm just going to lead off with... I'm a hip-hop artist. Yep. And all artists speak from whatever their life perspective is. So, you know, I think about, like, most Def, Talib, Kweli, uh, Freeway, all these guys, Muslims, mm -hmm. you know, devout Muslims, and then it comes out in their music, but nobody's sub-genre labeling matters. that. Yeah. yeah, nobody said that. It's just Christian contemporary music has made an industry out of itself and, yeah. you know, marketed itself. And so people try to throw that in there. But... You know, for me, man, I, I think that's that's the thing is a lot of times it can 
make people step away or be like, oh, I don't mess with that. Or if yeah. it's had a historically, if you if you had a bad experience with church or Christians or anything like that, most of the time people are like, oh, no thanks, I'll pass. Yeah, I don't want to listen to any of that. Or you think that it's artistically unexcellent, you know? And there's there's, there's some reputation. For the there's past some reputation years that you're gonna have to grapple with. Yeah. yeah. So you know, there's all those things, and uh, I'll give you a great example. Last night we were in Detroit, and there's this guy. Uh, his name's Fake Educator, and he's a sneaker educator. He helps people understand the difference between the fake Kanye West sneaker and the real one, and what? all that stuff. Right? Yeah. That's like crazy. he's always built a whole business on. A sneaker uh, educating, yeah. <laughs> I had no idea. Sneak- oh, yeah, that's a that's big, crazy. that's a big world because you know these yeah. sneakers are going for thousands of dollars and people are getting gypped and all yeah, kinds like, of stuff. Yeah, like uh, fake. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. yeah. So he's built and oh, other things, Supreme, like hoodies, clothing, like all these high-end brands. He helps you differentiate. That's Anyways, crazy. we're in his store and he's like, "Hey, man, you guys are dressed super fresh," and we just connected. Well, like, yo, come out to the show tonight. So he comes out to the show and brings all his boys, right? And they, <laughs> after the show, we end up hanging out, you know, having yeah. some beers, just like chilling. And, and he's like, I can't believe what I saw tonight. Mm. He was like, first of all, he's like, we've seen everybody come through here. Post Malone, 21 Savage, like everybody. He's like, yeah. you guys had hands down the best show we've ever seen in this venue, St. Andrew's Hall, the historic, yeah, yeah. you know, or Eminem, just the shelter, all that. Best show we've ever seen. He's like, there was these interesting moments where it felt like it was like orthodox worship happening. I felt like I was in my grandmother's <laughs> church. You know, because yeah. we, we really do this thing where we kind of mix like orthodox tradition and like mm. hymns and like stuff like that because I think they're beautiful. Yeah, that's and then awesome. with like 140 BPM trap beat that just like, <laughs> you know, it makes you want to rage and you're yeah. like, this is so weird. So we, we pull from those things, and he's like, man, it was just beautiful and weird. And he's like, I don't know what to think about it. And he's like, there's no way this is Christian something. You know what yeah, I mean? He's like, yeah. so they're just like, all my boxes are being blown up. And I was like, that's so funny because it took you being there and experiencing the art for you to come to that conclusion. But I said, if someone would have let off with this title, yeah. would you have ever come? He said, I never would have even came. Yeah. Coming from a faith perspective, as an artist, does all kinds of things to the way that it's perceived. Yeah. Uh, but then again, what about in terms of, like you saying, you have this, the history of hymns and orthodoxy. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I think because I was brought up uh, in faith in a church, there was a way of thinking about things on a on a possibly deeper perspective yeah. that has influenced my the way that I engage creativity. Sure. And so I wonder if uh, when you're, from your perspective of making stuff, yeah. do you feel like, um, I, and maybe it's too, maybe you're like, I don't know, maybe you, it's hard to get distance enough to see the difference between someone with faith and someone without faith, but I wonder, do you feel like that history and that faith is a blessing for you creatively? Yeah. Or, and I can also see as maybe a burden too of like yeah. a lot of, I know a lot of like uh, Christian musicians sure. seem to be locked up in, they ha- they've been convinced that they've got to make this life count. And so there's all this writing on yeah. uh, the music that they're making. Yeah. And so then they're all tight with this song has to do X, Y, Z. So they can't <laughs> yeah, really, yeah, yeah. you know, they can't be free. So yeah. I don't know. Do you, 
do you feel like I don't know is there any other ways that it feels like a like a blessing or a curse yeah I mean obviously my faith uh, my faith is real to me and it and it influences every aspect of my life so you know, it influences the way I treat my wife, the way we spend our money, the way we do generosity. All that stuff is informed, you know, the way we want to raise our kids. It's informed by that, so my music is naturally informed by that, too. And I think it serves for a great source of inspiration. Mm-hmm. You know, like the way I'm understanding life and purpose and meaning and value, which are all things that humans in their essence are looking for and trying to understand. And so it serves greatly you know, great for Just a that. wealth of inspiration. Absolutely. Yeah. At the same time, um, there is sometimes expectations, uh, sometimes very unfair expectations, um, and for you to create. Uh, you know, we joke about it sometimes because I think, I think the expectation oftentimes is like a Christian bookstore Christianity. You know, which <laughs> yeah, is like, yeah. <laughs> if you if your idea of Christianity is that, like. Half the stuff in the Bible couldn't go in that bookstore. In the bookstore, yeah. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Like, we got, like, uh, David, like, cutting dudes' heads off. You know what I'm saying? Lots of sex. You got lots of sex, drugs, and rock and roll going on. And they're like, oh, we can't sell that here, you know? So the thing is, I've never played by those rules. I've never cared to be like, what? You want me to? I almost like to prod at that, to be Mm -hmm. like, come on, guys, this is silly. My buddy, Show Baraka. Right, he said the word penis in his song, <laughs> yeah. and they removed his whole album from all the the bookstores. And he's yeah. like, "Really? Like, the, uh, well, crazy. your kids have cell phones, so just like yeah. remember right. that." Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Uh, so it, it is kind of a weird thing, and there's like sometimes a pressure put on you from the outside or the industry. I would say, if you end up playing that game, yeah. for them to be like, oh, put some old lords in there or something, you know, try to conclude the, the song in like a, you know, <laughs> in a nice little wrapped bow tie. But what we yeah. realize is life isn't tied up in nice little bow ties. No. It's messy. It's tough. It's complex. It's nuanced. And I think, uh, you know, there's more artists starting to explore that. And I think it's making the, the music more real. Um, yeah. And there's that. lots of reasons why that it's it's that way and it isn't but you know for myself for an example like some of the barriers that i work inside of are a gift and a curse too like i say you know what i'm choosing consciously to not use profanity in my creativity yeah now that's a resource and a coloring tool it, colorful it's language of, uh, it's like if you have uh the full you know grayscale spectrum yep. of language from all the way from white to black and all of the hues, and if you're trying to express something, yep. you want to have white next to black for the contrast of like, yep. just like when the beat drops. Yeah, you yeah, want yeah. it to be like nothing, and then yeah. And so, and language is similar because someone's saying something really pretty and yep. throws in, uh, you know, an f bomb or something, it shocks you. Yeah. So there's a, you know, yeah, it, it does something to us psychologically. Colors, so yeah. Yeah. So I choose to not paint with some of those yeah. colors, right? Yeah. And I'm like, the reason why I choose not to is because, um, one, I feel like there is a burden, a weight of people looking up to me mm-hmm. and a, a weight and a burden of me having to use my voice and influence for positivity and goodness, you know, yep. and wholesomeness. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so it leaves me to sometimes be in the middle of writing a song like, man, this F word would fit so good right here because yeah. it's really yeah. the emotion I feel. And it pushes me to be more creative. Like, how could I express this mm-hmm. in a different way? Seems like stand-up comedians have 
through, I've heard them have the same conversations of whether you're going to work clean or not. Yeah. So it affects, you know, where you're going to get booked and all that kind of stuff. And Absolutely. I've heard Seinfeld talk about, you know, he worked clean most of the time and he always just saw it as like, I don't think this is true, but for him, he felt like it was the easy way out of a joke or, you know, if he was going to, yeah. whatever. Yeah. So it just call it's a, you know, both can be valid, but yeah. they, they force you in a different kind of creativity. Well, there's a benefit because then the joy that I get to experience is, you know, I show up at my concert, my meet and greet, and I got a guy walking up to me, and he's got his like twelve-year-old son yeah, or yeah. eight-year-old son or something. He's like, "Man, we jam out to your music all the time. Yeah. We love that it's not cheesy, and we get to love it together. And I love hip hop growing up." He's like, "I feel like I can play this with my son and not feel like, you know, bust it open, mother. You know, like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, and you know, there's some value to that where I see my music bringing families together, yeah. bringing father and son together, bringing a wide audience of people uh, together. So, you know, that's inspiring to me to see that happen. That's awesome, and I, I think I do think like modern uh, America and, and from faith, from all these perspectives, does need to at some point embrace that." Be, just because you're coming through the lens of faith and positivity doesn't mean that every movie is G. Like, sure. Just like you said, you know, every every book of the Bible is not rated G. So sure. we need the full spectrum. But I think, and also to all that point, I feel like uh, there's a lot of really interesting stuff. All these boundaries broken between you and Lecrae and then even to Kendrick and, and Chance. Yeah. Doing all these things that are definitely breaking down walls in the way that everybody perceives what absolutely. Is, what's it mean to have faith and be a creative person yep absolutely um, yeah and actually uh, I wanted to ask you about your latest project uh, is really awesome the magic and bird uh, I feel like uh, you have brought such a humor to this landscape of the, the, the faith influenced creativity and the in the hip hop world. Yeah. I felt like when I was watching you do all the promo stuff on Instagram, that this was just like the most unique thing in the world and must just like put you into a totally new category because I don't see a lot of that tongue in cheek, having fun. Yeah. Uh, did, was that, did that feel like a risk to you? It didn't feel like a risk to me because I think my fans know that I have a sense of humor. You yeah. know what I'm saying? And like, I've always pressed into that. I've always pressed into the humor. And I think the two words that people have always used to describe my music is fun and personal. I get really vulnerable, really real, and then I also have a lot of fun. And I just, like, don't take myself too seriously at times and always, you know, I'll roast myself for the sake of, you know, a good joke. So, um, you know, I I didn't think it was a long shot for us. For me and my buddy uh, Words Played, who's the collaborator on the project, me and him, I mean, just get us in a room together and put a camera on it. Forget about it. You got 10 yeah. skits. And it's just, we've been doing that for 10 years as friends. So it was just natural for us. We think in skits. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like something yeah. happens and then it's My like... We, and I are the same. Yeah, you just talk, go into like a talking head and you're just like, <laughs> that's the way we think. So it was just fun and, and uh, we thought it was really interesting. Uh-huh. You know, not... You know, which is probably the most important thing right now is like to break through is having something that's interesting. So much noise, so much of the same. Yeah. Thing. Yeah. So that's why we're in absurd outfits. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Like looking like terrible. <laughs> like the, I love 2000 the album draft cover. day. It's yeah. So good. yeah. 
Uh, big shout out to LeBron James' awful all white uh, suit that he wore to draft yeah. day that inspired us with the baggy pants. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, and then we made trading cards. I got to get you the trading awesome. cards. Awesome. Yeah, that's awesome. We have these NBA trading cards with us, last round pick. I mean, they're just yeah, hilarious. Yeah, You're going to love so them. so good. I feel like there's uh, tons of, there's so much to learn. It seems like it was really natural to you, but I feel like uh, one of the things with all the creative people I work with, I'm always trying to get them to think about striking the perfect balance between uh, fitting in and standing out. So like, you, and I feel like everybody naturally falls into one category. Yeah. Uh, either they're too far outside the box, where like no one has any context for what you're <laughs> yeah. doing, or they're too playing the game of like, I want to be this rapper, and this is what it means to be a cool rapper in 2017, so yeah. I have to do X, Y, and Z, just like this guy's doing, yeah. and so much so that you're just white noise. Like, everyone's it's become like, another. Okay, but if, uh, and so I just felt like that was such an awesome move to be like, I don't know, nobody's doing this and really having a good time. And yeah. Playing this other... This really authentic other side of you. Yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah, it was like yeah. a half comedy project, half yeah. hip hop record. You know, the music's not like a joke. The music no. is great, but all the promo pieces and the skits were funny and very like office esque. Yeah. You know, yeah. office meets ESPN. Yeah. You know, it just was super fun, and we keep doing them. You know, we're yeah. out on this tour, and we keep putting skits together. And so on our, our minor league YouTube page, you can see all the little episodes. We got some with, you know, even Alan Houston from the Knicks. Yeah. You know, just mixing it in and, and just I'll having a blast. In the show notes. Yeah, put a link. Yeah. They'll, they'll see the episodes. They're, That's they're awesome, trip. but it's also really cool because it sounds like it was a tool to break out of that anxiety and obsession. Yeah, that's that what trail? that's what Magic and Bird really was for yeah. me. You know, because I was working on this album, um, this new one I'm working on, for over a year. Mm. And I got to a spot where, you know, I went to the Pacific Northwest and I worked in an Airbnb just out of this beautiful house for a week and I came back with all these that's incredible like songs. Cabin. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. We went to Bainbridge Island in Pacific Northwest and got some great coffee and some time to create. And I intentionally grabbed two different producers from different worlds one from like a crazy indie rock and one from like a hip-hop world mm. and mashed them together and we made some beautiful stuff and i came back to the label and i played it for them and they go i was like let's just put it out as an ep and they were like this is incredible you have to make this an album mm. so now i'm like all right let's make it an album so then for the next year i tried making it an album and forcing it to be this thing that it really wasn't and it's been so hard to complete it because it went from this fun, organic five song thing to that. And so in all of my angst, I have one person that I lean on really heavy, a couple people, Alex Medina is one. Yeah. And the other one is Delgis. He's uh, the creative director for Minor League, which oh, is okay. our creative venture. Yeah. And he's there to be my sounding board and help me think through stuff and process and create. And he said, man, it seems like you're really like losing touch of yourself as you're overthinking and overcooking these records. Mm. I mean, I was working on a song and I'm still working on it. It's been almost a year yeah. on a song because I feel like it's so good. It's like, ah, yeah. oh, it's gonna. Yeah. And um, there was a podcast that really helped me out with that. The, the Malcolm Gladwell one about the two creatives, the Picasso versus Cezanne. Ah. Picasso was able to create incredible bodies of work in a short period of time and then just move on. Masterpiece, masterpiece, masterpiece. And Cezanne 
spent 15 years working on Hallelujah, uh, you know, yeah. or her working on a, a painting. Right. And he, he tied it into that song Hallelujah, which took like 15 years uh, to finally be made and come to life and all that. And there's two different kinds of creatives, he was saying, you is know. Is this revisionist history? Revisionist yeah. podcast, yeah, yeah, man. Sorry to plug other podcasts, <laughs> you know. <laughs> but, um, you know, I feel like maybe I'm a Saison. Maybe I just overcook and overthink and overdo. Right. And meanwhile, Picasso's like, mm, show up, paint, done, amazing, yeah. you know. <laughs> And uh, so as I was going through that process, overcooking, overthinking, he was like, man, why don't you just try having fun? Why don't you put together a little EP, you know, use some of these fun records that weren't going to be out on the other one and made it, use it as a springboard. And then we got together for three weeks. And man, it was the, one of the best things that could have ever happened to my creativity. And I would say this, this is a remedy. Mm. Break out of what you're doing and go do something else. Yes. Because when, when you... You think naturally in your mind that, okay, I want it to be good. I'm just going to keep working on it and keep working at it and keep working at it and keep tweaking it and refining it. And then it's going to be better. Yeah. And sometimes the best thing to do is just to go out and pick up a totally different thing and start doing it. Yeah. You know, so I started picking up um, film photography. You know, I started picking up little graphic design things. Like, I'm just like, let me be creative in Play other spaces it. and play again. And the reason why I love my film photography stuff, you'll see my phone camera in there, yeah. is because there's no pressure. I take a picture and I enjoy the process and I don't get paid for it. Mm -hmm. And no one expects me to create a painting or a picture That's that is gonna be, you know, have to be sold. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, this is freeing. So this Magic and Bird project was really low pressure. It was me hanging out with my friend, kicking around ideas in the studio, trying stuff, and just having straight fun. And, you know, we dropped it in the summer and it's like, here, enjoy this while I go back to work on my album. Yeah. And it was a holdover project and it ended up becoming this beautiful thing that yeah. we just like enjoyed. And so. Do you feel like it's uh, unlocked you a little bit? I do feel like it's unlocked me. Yeah. I feel like I brought a new creative energy into the back half of this album now. Man, that's awesome. Um, and it's like super freeing. I'm like, oh man. Or collaborating, just collaborating. Yeah. Just working with someone else, their whole perspective and their approach in making music makes you question yours and go, oh. Shakes it up. That's, that's kind of cool. Maybe I'm going to try this. And so you can tell that this is a totally different project than anything else I've put out. Yeah. It's a lot more fun and yeah. simple. and not, over, not overthinking it. And yeah. I, uh, so other than those things, is there anything else that you're, any other like change of approach for the new album that is different to the previous ones? Like that, I always find that like yeah. whenever uh, I, I, do you know the magazine The Great Discontent? No. Okay, so it's like a it's it's like a creative magazine. It's just interviews. Uh, it started online, but The Great Discontent, the name, is defining the discontent of creative people. Ugh. Of like <laughs> the never ending. It's so good. That's yeah, such a good name. It's so good. So that's the the definition of it's called the Great Discontent. That that discontent that we have as creative people, and uh, I find that. When a creative person leaves a project, they have all these qualms and all that. This is what I did wrong. These are the things that this yeah. is why I didn't get my best work out on that. If I do a talk or something, I'll leave and be like, and my wife will call me and be like, how'd it go? And like, it was fine, but here's what I did wrong. Yeah. This is, and, I, and you take those and they influence your new strategies for the next thing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, is there any, do you have new strategies about how to mine those gems this yeah. next time? Well, you know what? Um... I really feel like I have a new approach in how I'm going to make the music. And for a long time, I had this self-doubt about me being a producer. 
Mm. See, I started out as a producer. This is really interesting, yeah. Started out as a producer, and then I was just like, I, from other people, Lecrae and so on and so forth, he's like, yeah, man, I started out producing myself too, and then I realized other people are better at it than me, so I just leave it to them now. And so, you know, I kind of got away from the producing thing, and I kept on having, I've been saying for this for the last five years, I'm looking for my 40, mm-hmm. you know, so Drake, mm-hmm. big yeah, producer, yeah. he's got 40 no, as his, like, right-hand man who helps him create everything. I'm like, who's going to be my 40? And I can't seem to find the right combination with anybody, and I've tried so many people. Yeah. And I'm just like, man, and I'm realizing maybe I'm my 40. Yeah. You know, and I started producing myself again. I started putting down my own ideas and I'm realizing that I'm actually getting far more done by me not waiting on anybody and taking my ideas as far as I can take them with the resources that I have yeah. and then letting other people contribute later. Mm. So that song, I Ain't Done, yeah. like I was telling you about earlier, I just, I'm producing this for me and I don't care if I don't got the best sounds, I don't care about any of that stuff. The story is I made it and it's very punk rock. Right? Punk rock is like, we don't really know how to play guitar, but I'm just gonna play it. I'm playing it. And I'm gonna like put my message out. And man, that approach has really helped me bring the songs to life quicker, have more accuracy in what I want them to be. It's now not a crazy vision I'm trying to instill in another person and have them bring it to life. Yeah. It's me bringing it 80% to life and then them, you know, zombie Voltroning it together, you know, Frankensteining it. Man, it it sounds like in the. You hit this inflection point that happens in the hero's journey. You familiar with like the hero's journey idea of like the hero's journey is just uh, this concept that was comes out of uh, Joseph Campbell comparative mythology. Found that this kind of same pattern happens in all world mythology and religions, hmm. and it's basically like Harry Potter, Neo, the Lego Movie, Moana, uh. the Chosen One, right? If this is you're the chosen one, and then these are the, this is the pattern that happens in that story. And one of the things that happens at the end is going against your mentor to kind of find your own path. And this, and dude, it's so good. It's Yoda. It's when Yoda's like, Luke, you have to stay to do, finish your training, and Luke's like. I have to go save Han and Leia. And it's like by going against that teaching, that's when you become the master. Uh, Because you have to go your own destiny. It sounds like to me, you're like, there's so much to gain from studying what other people do and really having, really understanding like what Drake did. Like, you know, this thing he had with uh, uh, 40, it's right, right? Yeah. uh, uh, and, And this special relationship they have. And you learn so much from it, but at some point, you have to go drop the ring in without Gandalf. He's not coming with hey. you. You have to go and do it. It sounds like you got me hyped, dude. I love it, man. I'm hyped that's what now. I'm all about. But you found your own path, mm-hmm. and uh, that's when it's like the transcendent stuff starts to to happen. Because uh, it happened to me too. Just like I know none of my heroes would call themselves pizza. I know that. Like, yeah. <laughs> but that's me. That's what I had to do. Uh, that's a really stupid example of it. I but love that. No, but you were like, I'm, I'm going. Like, this I'm is me. Man. Um, so, man, that's awesome. There was, there's one thing that I wanted to throw in there, too, about when we, when we were talking about uh, at the beginning about you can't stop yeah. me, right? Yeah. One of the things that was really helpful for me creatively to realize where one of my growth edges were Mm-hmm. was this book by Donald Miller uh, called Scary Close, and it's about vulnerability. And, man, what he said in that book was, like, life-changing. Mm. 
I had said, you know, I dropped Heroes for Sale and it was a success, did really great. I dropped Neverland, did really great, huge success. And now all of a sudden I'm feeling this like, I gotta yeah. do it again, right? Yep. So I'm reading in his book and it's almost at a parallel of my life. Mm. This guy, Donald Miller, drops a book. He says, this is what the process, he said, man, I went up to the mountains, smoked a pipe, hung out, <laughs> took in the nature, yeah. penned my book in like, you know, six months, yeah. four months or something like yeah. that. Just had a time of my life, put it out. You know, it does really well. He said, then the, 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 the book company was like, hey, do another one. He goes out, smokes his pipe, <laughs> takes in the nature, yeah. and then he writes another book, now known as Blue Like Jazz, which, which yeah, ended up New being York a bestseller. huge New York Times bestseller. Yeah. And then he was like, now the, 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 the company's like, hey, do it a, a third time. And so now he's like, I'm starting to psych myself out, freaking myself out. How can I live up to the first two books? And so I said, now this book took about two years to write, like double the length of all the other ones. And he's like, it comes out, doesn't do so good. Then the next book comes and he's like, and that one took four years to put out. And then the next one is like, kept on coming out. And it was just like all these books that couldn't really live up to the first few. And they were taking longer and longer and longer because he was getting that comparison game and that, that you know what I'm saying, that yeah. fear. And I was like, dude, that's me. It's taken me so much longer to put out music now. And before, I dropped Heroes for Sale. Eight months later, I dropped Neverland. I was yeah. like, what? I'm in the zone. I'm just putting it out. I'm not comparing. I'm not worried about anything. And he said, he went to go visit his friend. And he was like, hey, man, I've been reading your, your stuff lately. And he said, I noticed there's a difference in it from your earlier stuff. And he was like, really? You notice? And he was like, yeah. He's like, the difference is um, you're careful. Mm. And that joint blew me away. Mm. He was like, you, all of a sudden you started to be careful. And the thing that made you so great was that you weren't careful at the beginning. You were just writing what you thought and what you felt. The and flow. then you were the flow, man. Why you start caring? And he was like, honestly... After I started listening to all the critiques, the praises, and the criticisms, he was like, I was trying to account for all of that and, and let it inform not my new writings. And he's like, I would put so many caveats in a sentence that by the time you got to the end of it, you couldn't even understand what I was trying to say. Mm. It's just like, this is what I think. And then it's like, oh, but considering what they're going to say, I'll add this thing and then switch these words and do excellent. By the end, it was this distorted thing anyways, trying to please everybody. And that was so freeing for me to see another creative wrestle with that and for carefulness to be a huge hindrance yeah. in creativity. Yep. You know, like feeling the freedom to fail, that like innovation can come at the cost of failure, that, you know, my best work is going to happen uh, with as, as little thought yep. as, as much as being led by my feelings and emotions at the time, you know. Is yeah, that? And that's you know? so good. And I think it's that same thing. It's that same thing of, uh, you know, editing while you're writing. Like, you know, yeah. instead of just writing. And that yeah. editing voice of your brain can't exist at the same time as your creative voice of just flow and play. And yeah. I, uh, man, yeah, that's super good. And I actually think I have another theory on this. I don't know if I've lived this one. I just have a theory that, uh, that it's an incomplete part of the cycle where you have the youth of 
the, the wisdom of youth where you're just like doing it, playing, and you're having fun, and you get like the beginner's luck, or you're just like tapping into the, the raw thing that you've got going on, and those are your early things that you make. And then you go into like the overthinking, yep. re, you know, refine, you're really trying to refine what you do, level up what you do, and yeah. it's messy, and it's not really that nice. It's like the montage in the movie where we just want to speed it up. <laughs> yeah, it's like, yeah, this is yeah. not pretty, nobody wants to see this part. And, uh, but I actually think, for me, I'm thinking that the stuff, that, if you can get through, I think a lot of people get stuck there. Yeah. They just keep refining, keep overthinking, keep overworking. Yep. And I think, uh, and, and then they're always trying to go back. Yeah. And I think that you can learn something by looking back, but I actually think that your best work is another phase where you're a master because what you learn with the overcooking and the refining stuff yeah. is actually good stuff. But if you can plug it into the play yeah. and, the, and the not careful stuff, then you start being like a virtuoso where you can do great creativity on command. Hmm. Like the first stuff might have been like on accident, like a little bit, not for you yeah. in particular, but just everybody, you know, you're just playing stuff. Some of it's good, wow, that track's amazing. Some of it's, well, it was not. They're just like, I don't know, but you start, I think you see people, if they get through that valley of the refining and the overcooking and they get to the other side, that's the best stuff. I hope you're right, because if not, that means that we're washed up. <laughs> the only other alternative is like, now you suck. The good stuff's around the corner. Yeah, it's man, it's coming. Well, you know what What made me really feel that actually was uh, when I did, um, I watched the Defiant Ones with uh, Jimmy, Jimmy Iovine and okay. Dr. Dre. Right. They did a, a series on HBO, four or five part series. And it just tells the story of them too, you know, building Interscope and yeah. all the ups and downs of Dr. Dre's career. And I didn't realize, you know, Dr. Dre, you think the chronic, yeah. like the greatest Legend. like hip hop records Master. of all time. And you was like, oh, I didn't realize this guy kind of started over his career like four or five times mm. and had like these valleys of like, you're done. And then it was like, boom, like blew up again, then dropped some albums that just sucked, like on Aftermath and produced all these things terrible, and then blew up again. And you're like, yeah, all right. I was, it gave me hope knowing that I hit like a big peak and I felt like I had declined a little bit and then maybe another big peak's coming. Yeah. You don't know, but he just worked, kept working through it and refining and he's a freak perfectionist. Yeah. He is. It's like scary. It's like, yeah, like people have been sick. waiting on a <laughs> uh, an album called Detox I know. for yeah. forever. You know, 10, they dropped like years. a track or two or something, but never came out. out. It won't Man. come out. It's done. Yeah. They scrapped it. They did? Oh my gosh. Do you know uh, Brad Montague? No. He's the guy uh, behind Kid President. You know, Kid President. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He did a, uh, he's got a really good talk. You should go check it out sometime. Uh, where he talks about, he did a, a pep talk. He's a friend of mine, this guy. And uh, he talks about how he did the pep talk through Kid President. And uh, he's talking about, uh, you know, what if Michael Jordan never gave up? We'd never have Space Jam. And he's like, what, a, what will be your Space Jam? And that video ended up getting like 40 million views. Oh, wow. And he was like, this is amazing. But then after it all settled down, he was like, wait, what if that's my Space Jam? And it's it, Ooh. that's it, like I'm done. Like, what am I gonna do the rest of my life? Yeah. And uh, he's got a really good talk that uh, is really encouraging when you feel like, what if my best work is behind me? So Ooh. you should check that out. Please. Uh, 
Well, I think I'm not going to take any more of your time. Is there anything else that you want to plug or uh, give a shout out to or anything? Yeah, I mean the Magic and Bird album is out. And, yeah, you uh, should definitely go check that out. It's got you some good li- skits. Listen to it, funny <laughs> skits, man, and then it's got it's also songs. great video skits. You know, so uh, it's on our YouTube page. We're trying to build that. Yeah. And then, um, you know, just my socials, Andy Minio. You know, you can keep up with me. Awesome. I try to keep my Instagram as lively as possible. It's good. It's a good follow. Know. Yeah. It's a good. It's good it's fun. A good addition. To yeah, your, man. To your feed. Uh, that's awesome, man. I am so thrilled to have this conversation with you, and uh, it was uh, fantastic. And like I said, this is hands down one of my favorite podcasts oh, on the planet. I, I frequent this, and it helps me, you know, not feel crazy, yeah. not feel alone. A lot of it's and, just solidarity. Yeah, yeah, man, and it just helps me to keep going, you know, and so I'm grateful for what you do, man. Thanks for having me. That's, like, really an honor. Man, that's amazing. Thank you. For sure. Guys, come on. That was so good. Thank you, Andy. Thank you so much for being on the show. Uh, You are awesome. Your music is awesome. And uh, I am so thrilled to be able to uh, go along for the ride and and watch uh, where you take things next. By the way, friends, for all of you guys who know I'm like a crazy uh, Boys to Men fan, you know, I grew up listening to uh, hip hop and, and rap and R&B. Uh, I don't listen to as much of it now as I used to. I, you know, I listen to, I, I follow Kendrick and Chance and uh, I like some Drake and Kanye, uh, but it's not the world that I'm really in these days in my, in my most of the music I listen to, um, but I was pleasantly surprised by one of Andy's latest songs. Um, I think it's called Candy Rain. And it's a reference to (laughs) a 90s R&B song that I was obsessed with when I was uh, a kid called Candy Rain by Soul For Real. And uh, I, I know every word by heart even to this day. And even to this day, I sometimes throw that bad baby on and it gets me in that nostalgic place. And uh, Andy has a song that is about Candy Rain. You should go check it out on Spotify. It's fantastic. It's got those good 90s R&B vibes um, and more. Uh, so Andy, thank you so much for being on the show. You are awesome. And uh, I'm, I know everybody's going to get a kick out of this episode. Thanks to Yoni Wolf in the band Y. Uh, thanks to for, for our theme music. Thanks to Nate Utash in the band Metavari for the other tunes. Metavari, M-E-T-A-V-A-R-I. New album dropped it's called Symmetry. It's fantastic to uh, get into the zone and do your work too. So go check that out on Spotify. Thanks to Alex Sugg. Uh, for editing this podcast and he's going to start throwing in some of his tunes into this show I think as well he's got some really good tunes that are going to sync up with his podcast very nicely he might have even done it this episode only time will tell Uh, and uh, anyway thanks Alex thanks to all of you guys for listening to this show every week you are uh, the lifeblood of this show and you know every week I try to just like bleed all over this tape and 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 spill my guts about how thankful i am to all of you guys and uh until i hope this thing freaking fuels you up to the to the highest levels of pep all week 
And when you start to run out, I'll be back again next week to to bring you supercharged levels of creative pep. But until then, stay pepped up. Really feel like you.